0: um welcome to the Overseer pamphlet my name is rob and i'm the host of this one man show first episode of february thank god january's done done and gone because like what the fuck like what a crazy month honestly like too long i've never experienced such a long like such a long january honestly my whole life so yeah, also again once again, sorry for my voice. Was out this I had probably the, the craziest weekend of my whole life. Like it's been a long time since I had like this this kind of weekend. Um Thursday went out pub pub night, easy, chill, not too bad. Um Friday went to Swift Garden, which is um the Taylor Swift themed uh, club night. They just play Taylor Swift songs. We usually go with my friends all the time. So, yeah um, yeah, so, you can imagine already, uh, club night until, like, mid, like, 1, 1am 1 or something, I can't remember what time we came back home, but, yeah, then, yesterday, Saturday, um, when I'm recording this, it's Sunday today, but, yeah, yesterday, I <sighs> had two birthday parties, one after the other, so, I have been drinking since Thursday, nonstop, and, um, Yesterday, specifically, I started drinking at, like, 11, like 12, 12, yeah, 12 p.m. onwards until, I don't know, I got back home at 1 or something. So, you can imagine my status today. It's not... Surprisingly, I'm not, like, too dead. But yeah, my, my voice is gone, man. It's gone. Either way, today we're talking about... Uh, <laughs> let's just, like, move on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> today we're talking about... Um, Two very cute topics, very interesting ones. Uh, the first one is actually dramatic as fuck. Now, I just wanted to, like, have a little bit of a rundown of what's going on with Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion. Just for the giggles. It's not going to be, like, a too long of a, a segment for that one. Because, also, my second segment is going to be um revisit of Melodrama by Lord. So, it's going to be, like, a full track-by-track type of situation. We're going to go back into it. Just because, yeah, I had fathomings, basically. And I had to jump on the mic you know how to go on the mic and share my thoughts because i think it's just an album that everyone loves from, from lord it's a like a generally acclaimed album by her. so yeah of course you can follow me on every social media that you fucking know ap- apart from um twitter because twitter is um i i decided to step out of twitter after la- my last episode i, I said to boycott so you can now find me on threads Everything will be in the description anyways for this episode, but usually my um, Instagram, my threads are at Robscal. Scal, so at R-O-B-S-C-A-L dot G- J-P-G. I always struggle to say J-P-G, I don't know why, but yeah, follow, follow, follow there, follow me uh, there. Um, but yeah, before that, songs of the week, you know what's up. Okay, first song is If You Let Me by Alina Baraz. Alina Baraz, queen of R&B, like, duh. Every single song she does is just pure um, slayage, basically. But If You Let Me is, like, one of those sexy ones that she does. Like, typical sexy uh, R&B songs that she does. But it's just so infectious, so, like, moody and vibey. And you can literally, like, vibe vibe to it. It's just such a good track. Like... I honestly couldn't care less when it came out. I don't know. Personally, I didn't even bother to check because I just came across it. I'm not, like... With Ana Baraz, I don't search out when she does new music. But, like, whenever I do art Like, when I listen to some R&B, I just go to her, like, place and shuffle it and see what comes out. Because she's so good. Like, every song she does is just magic. You know? But, yeah, if you like me, incredible. There's, like, the little guitar in the back. It's just, like, a... Um, very, you know, moody, sexy kind of uh song. If you wanna feel sexy, if you wanna feel in a mood it listen to If you let like me by Alina Baraz. She like she eats every time, you know? So the, yeah, that that's the one. Second one, I can't catch you by Sixpence on the Richer. So listen up, like I don't know what the fuck is happening to me, but I've I've been well i, I never listened to Sixpence on the Richer, but ever since that song "Kiss me. That I said in the last episode was it last episode? Probably. I was like, oh hell yeah. I'm like, I need to find out more about these, uh, about this um this band. So yeah, here I am. I found uh this one in the same album. Um Yeah. Um also very personal song, I guess. Like the content speaks to me because it's literally what I'm going through right now. So and also I want to jump in another thing before I move on to the next track. Here's the issue with me recording on a Saturday... Uh, on a Sunday, sorry. Because the whole week, I feel a certain way. Like, a very specific way. Like, um, frustrated, annoyed, fucked up because of a certain someone, I guess. Like, um, And then, out of nowhere, because... I'm able to interact in some shape or form, I just switch my mood around for the, well, technically for the better, but not really for the better, because I know then I'm going to go down again, so, (laughs) yeah, like, if you, if I recorded this, like, yesterday or something, I was probably going to be, like, super pissed, super annoyed and all that, but today I'm just, like, waking up and feeling, like, jolly, you know, (laughs) which is, like, the worst thing ever, because it's just... Delusion, delusion, girl, delusion, delusion. But anyways, uh, third song of the week. Let's just move on from that. Uh, is X's by Tate McRae. I know this song came out ages ago now, uh, but I don't care. Like I never really got this much into the song until actually this Friday. I was like, you know, what? I need, I need something to put me in a good mood before going out. I need to like feel like you know. F- I need to feel myself, you know, I need to, like, be going out, and I need to be confident, and I need to, like, recuperate from my terrible week, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I was like, Tate my I know she has my back, and I was like, let's give this song another shot, and girl, oh, like, she, Tate Mac just right after Selena Gomez, in my opinion, to have some of the biggest, like, big dick energy ever, basically, and, uh, um, like, come on! Are you kidding me? Like, this song is what I say: "Kisses to my exes, who, um, what was it? Who don't give a shit about me? Kisses to the, ne- kisses to the next ones, who think they can live without me." Like, come on! Fake tech energy. Like, come on! Incredible. That song is just pure, pure, like, cockiness, and I love it. I'm sure you must have heard, like, you must have heard of it or listened to it once at least or something, because it's been on the radio. It has a, quite a lot of streams already on Spotify as well, so... But if you want to feel like yourself, you want to feel, um... Like a bad bitch. Listen to Exes by that Ray, you know? She she did that. If you want to feel, like, a bit messy in that sense... Because it is a messy song, to be fair. Kisses to my exes. Ooh, <laughs> don't give a shit about me. Kisses to the next ones. Oh, come on. Uh, yeah, listen to that one. It's just so good. Um... Yeah. Do I have any other song of the week? Uh... No, I think, I think, I could I could include this one, but I'm not gonna do that. You know what? I think it's good enough, it's a good, I, I'm I'm satisfied with this, like, this run of tracks. So, yeah, there you go. These are the songs of the week. Hope um you guys give it, a, give them a shot. I'm gonna start the February playlist with this episode when it comes out, so you can check it out. And I'll put it in the more like this section on Spotify, or you can just search for it on Spotify. I'll call them, of course, like uh, the playlist is going to be called, of course, like the Overshare pamphlet, um, songs of the week. And I'm going to put like a dash saying like February or something. So you guys can check it out, you know, you can have a little look um, what's going on. So Yeah, like that. that's what's up, you know, that's what's up. These are the songs um, that I've been listening to. And I'm ready, honestly. I'm ready to move into the first topic. Will I even do a transition? Probably not, because this is going to be like a quicker one. So I'm just going to get into it, actually. You know what I mean? And then I'll do a transition for the second one, because the second one is low-key my favorite story today. So I'm going to give it spotlight, but yeah. First off is a roundup drama, I guess. We're going to have to, like, you know get all the other together and go to therapy or something but yeah uh, people in rap are constantly of course beefing and um doesn't surprise me in a way because i know like that's the culture basically so yeah i think that's a good uh, actually a good place to start i think that's the like usually the culture in, in hip-hop in rap it's um it's a culture of like competing competition being the best one um And it's also, I think, I personally think sometimes it's also for the PR aspect of it all. Like, yes, back in the days, rappers used to have real beef. Like, they used to, like, go guns for for the throat. You know what I mean? Like, crazy. Um, But I think this element of, like, beef and, like, um, how to say, like, competition and always being on, like, you know, position and all that stuff, I think eventually was a turning point where they thought of, oh, maybe it can actually be, like, lucrative in that sense, and I think the most, um, in my opinion, the most um, obvious moment was, for example, when Cardi B and Nikki Minaj just started beefing for the first time ever, the reason why they beefed in the first place, I think there was some drama with, like, uh, the verse on Motorsport, uh, Motorsport was it, what, what was the song, Motorsport, I can't remember, that was the first and only collaboration they did Cardi and Nikki and it was like a song with like future or something or like the me oh for maybe oh no no The Migos. Was it the Migos? Probably. Something like that. But I think uh, basically what happened back then and you and you guys need this context because it's very much related to like the Megan uh, Megan the Stallion and uh Nicky beef that we're gonna get into. But um basically I think what happened was Nikki at the time with Cardi B for that song submitted a verse. Um and i think that then she wanted to well scrap the verse last minute and change it up uh because well turns out they were were gonna give like cardi b a verse by the way cardi b doesn't usually write her verses like she doesn't she doesn't write her raps at all so i think there's also like a, a sort of like struggle that not struggle but you know what i mean like a a president for beef for nikki because nikki instead like he's a classic i guess rapper who writes everything and all that stuff well with cardi b you had the first like like the the she sort of pioneered the reciter type of um pop star like a rap star i guess in that sense like someone who doesn't actually write but recites basically what other people write for her and just makes um which i don't think there's anything wrong with per se it's more than the pop star adjacent kind of situation not really like a real rapper in that sense but yeah she found a market for that she she found a market for that and opened the gates for uh something even more um like a lot of um you know young black women who instead of like having maybe a talent for uh, for writing specifically they have more of a knack in performing and all that stuff, so I don't think there's necessarily like a bad thing. But I think Nikki definitely must have felt some type of way when, you know, she found out this girl was having so much um, success in that sense, uh, but with no like writing skills. Which arguably, some people would argue that it's the most required skill in rapping because you need to rap your you need to rap with your own verses and your own stuff. Like, could you even I don't know do like a freestyle? No, you can or something like that. But I personally don't mind, I, like, I love some Cardi B songs, like, some of them are uh, lit, honestly, like, there's some good bangers there, so, you know, to me it doesn't matter, because uh, t- to me, well, it really depends on what you're looking for when you listen to music in general, I think, but my main point is that, like, I, for example, care more about the actual song than the actual artist, to be fair, like, I, I when I, well, I know that it's... A big conversation in terms of like separating the art from the artist in a way but i personally if the song is good or the art is good and the art is like incredible i'll consume the art i don't really personally care about the artist unless of course there's something completely wrong with the person so then i wouldn't need to stop supporting that person by not not engaging with their art and giving them a revenue or something but if it's just like these kind of like you know petty things or like stupid little details I don't care as long as even if it's a commercial song that it was like produced by 100 producers and 100 writers and all that stuff like if it sounds good man I'm putting it on I don't care you know what I mean so yeah that's my truth but I can understand where Nikki sort of was coming from in feeling some type of way about it and also the beef itself was very much I think artificial like it was an artificial bit beef, like it was created out of thin air from Cardi B's label mostly because they realized that the best way to gain a lot of support and a lot of audience in that sense is to go against the big dogs. And by big dogs in rap, in female rap at a time was just Nicki Minaj basically. So, and the Barbs are one of the biggest, uh, basically, fandoms ever. So, they found like a, a great business strategy in. Like, the, like you know, using, basically, um, beef and, like, generating, um, you know, some sort of chatter and engagement in that sense through someone else's fandom. Basically, they're outsourcing her fandom to, even for hate purposes, but it's even, like, streams anyways. So, they don't really care about that. So, she got a big launch point. Because of that. I think personally. Like her career wouldn't have been as big. After Boracchiello. If it wasn't for the beef with Nicki Minaj. I think Boracchiello would have been like a. One-off thing. And. That's it. That combined with like good. um, Links in. In the industry. Like she got some great collaborations. Like. The Modern Five. And. um, You know. Bad Bunny. And all that stuff. So. Yeah. That. But also I think the audience came in. Because of. The tension in that sense. So that, that's the premise. That, so they, they had also physical um, fights. I think, what was it? The mat? What was it? Not the mat. There was some sort of... Mat, I can't remember what, what event it was. But it was a fashion event or something. And Cardi and Nikki got into a physical fight for real. Well, Nikki didn't touch her, I think. But one of their bodyguards uh, gave her a knob on her head. And yeah and Cardi walked out um, with a fucking huge knob. Like a ginormous knob on her head. Anyways, that, to me, like, that, to that point, when it got to that point, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, we're, we're getting... Like, I love the drama. I love the, the pettiness and the firing shots and, like, dragging people in songs and all that. But when we get to that, to, like, physical altercations and all that stuff, it's just too much. Like, it's just too, like, childish. Like, just, I don't know. Just, I don't know. <laughs> Personally, don't like that. But, yeah. Um, I think that that was a good premise because basically what then happened was, As i said like the the gates opened up for many other rappers because of nikki and because of cardi and all that so so many new rappers came in into the picture female rappers cuz male rappers have always been around i guess but female rap was in a drought before nikki and then cardi and then all these other people so one of the um new newer female artists coming up was megan de stallion of course and megan was signed with well i think now she changed label to warner music or something but she was signed with rock nation maybe she still signed with that but i don't know maybe distribution only is with warner but i don't know but basically she signed with a uh, rock nation which is uh, jay-z's label and also be beyonce's uh, she's under there but anyway, oh, uh, anyways like doesn't really matter um yeah so she was um initially i remember being praised for being a real rapper you know what i mean like for writing her stuff being like a a girl from the streets from houston texas and writing her own uh, her own stuff and just having also very good talent good she could like do some freestyles it was just um incredible so people were tuned in because of the talent she was a very young um, Honestly, she was very really young actually when she popped up for the first time, I think. But yeah, so and the interesting, very thing interesting thing about Megan is that she also, in the meantime, went um, to college while she was doing all to rap uh, as a full time job, I guess. So she also got a degree now, <laughs> which is honestly so good. But anyways, um, eventually, like Nikki does, she um, reached. Out. Nikki does. I think she does love. um reaching out to new, newer rappers which she thinks that, that are worth it, or generating a buzz that is, like, good, you know what I mean? Uh, hold up. Someone from Hinge just texted me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hinge. 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 I'm <laughs> kidding. No, actually, yeah. Someone did, did text me, but I'm going to reply later. I'm going to act coy, you know what I mean? Anyways. Um... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ref, like, reassess. so, I was saying, yeah, um, Nikki does love jumping on, um, tracks with, like, newer artists, who are, in her opinion, worth it, or, supposedly writing, she believes they're talented, or all that stuff, so, she jumped on the Megan, um, the Stallion, uh, train, in that sense, not that she needed to jump on the train, but you know what I mean, like, she wanted to collab, so, they did the one and only song they did was Hot Girl Summer and I think it was Tidal assign or something as well in there. But anyways, that song, in my opinion, was fire. Never really got the traction that it um deserved. I don't know exactly why. Maybe there wasn't any push to be fair. I think actually Megan didn't I can't remember if their label didn't actually promote it. But anyways was interesting because um it was a very, like, summary bop, and it was a sleigh, but, yeah. Nothing much happened. Now, words on the streets say that uh, because of the not, like, big success that Megan maybe was hoping for. But these are just hearsays, so take it with a grain of salt. But, um, yeah, the streets say that <laughs> she was unhappy with the song performing that poorly, and... She switched up. And went to the Cardi B camp. And the, that's when WAP. Whereas Coochie. Whereas. Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> that That's when WAP was a, a thing. Basically that's when he uh, became a thing. So she switched to the Cardi B camp. And many, many people believe that that was the final straw for uh, Nikki. Because by that time they were still having beef. I mean they still probably do. But Cardi I think she's slowly but surely, like, fading into irrelevance, so whatever, but, um, yeah, at that time, when Cardi was also very big, they, yeah, they did WAP, WAP was a huge success, of course, as you can tell, and yeah, so, ever since then, they never interacted anymore, they never did, the weird thing was, though, that before, uh, Megan, jumped on the Cardi B, um, song, when she was still with Nicki, friends with Nicki, she dissed Cardi B, she had some things to say about Cardi B on lives with, um, she went on, like, I think, on one live also with, uh, Nicki Minaj, and she talked shit about Cardi B as well, so, you can tell that, you know, I don't want to, of course, like, you know, this is like very gray and white situation because at the end of the day, it's just like we don't know the actual truth of what what goes on behind closed doors. But from these uh, facts, you can tell like Megan was, you know, a bit of a switching cam type of girl, but also she was a very young performer. So I don't I don't really know if I could blame her for that. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, in the meantime, Megan apparently eventually gets in a relationship with Cardi B's ghostwriter, Partizan Fontaine. Um, And, yeah, there was a bit of a, like, situation there as well. Apparently, she, according to Partizan Fontaine, at least she cheated um, multiple times. Um, And, yeah, so there was a bit of... <clears throat> an info, so interesting. Also probably why why like you know, parties and frontation is not writing for Cardi B anymore because he doesn't want to be associated with the two of them anymore. <clears throat> Damn, I'm really dying here, man. But anyway <laughs> So yeah. So what happens in the meantime though? Like so this is what when Nikki basically was still not back from her I guess, like she, cause she, in the meantime, uh, Nikki was pregnant, she had a child and all that stuff, but yeah, Cardi was having a moment with Megan and all that stuff, then like after a while, there's, there's a big, um, debacle that leads to basically an assault, um, basically, uh, um, megan de stallion and uh, this other rapper tory lanes by the way they yeah they were involved in an incident in 2020 um uh, he is now uh, has been in prison for allegedly shooting her on a foot um yeah after yeah the kylie jenner house party uh house pool party um so yeah they were i think they were going away or something and he shot her on the foot in a car, probably. We don't have, yeah, um, exact, you know, details on the dynam- or dynamics of how he went down. But that was a terrible, 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 terrible event. He's jailed now, which is okay, finally. It took a while, actually, for him to get jailed, I think. But, yeah. So, now, the, the thing here is that um, allegedly, um, Tory Lanez and was um, also well smashing. I guess Megan's best friend, but allegedly, words say that Megan also smashed Tory Lanez. So there was a bit of a weird situation. We don't know exactly why that up, like why that happened. Um, yeah, it, it was a, a, an argument, um, and. In the in the in the car, that's when basically the, the injury happened, but I don't think we know for a fact what actually like what was the the how to say like the actual um argument about you know what I mean? Um Yeah. So it's still today's unclear, even though he was jailed, um why all this thing happened. Not to say like that there could be like any crazy like theories behind it, but you know, yeah. So that's a big situation. um, And when that happened, some rappers actually took the defense of Tory Lanes, and they believed him that. Well, there's even theories that she might have shot herself and blamed him or something. There's crazy theories out there. So I'm not gonna get into exactly why the theories are because I don't know until there's like actual proof or exact clarity of what happened, I'm not going to speak my truth on it, but uh, he was jailed for it, so they, the the court probably, like, the, the court found him guilty, specifically because he was carrying a weapon, unauthorized, so that definitely doesn't look good on him, but yeah, as I said, like, some rappers did not like what, like, in the they must have, like, some inner, you know, inner chats or whatever it is, but they, yeah, most of the rappers actually tried to side with Tor Lane, which is very interesting, like, very interesting to me, including Nicki Minaj and a lot of other rappers, a lot of other rappers who also, like, sent notes to the court uh, trying to, like, get some pardon for for him. But, yeah. That was the big situation. So, um, yeah. Megan, after the whole, like, because, of course, this brought, like, uh, like, a flood of, um, Media attention on her and everything else. It was just like a crazy situation. I remember Even like it, literally she just returned to music now after all that with um Cobra first and then his now this is this is the thing in the meantime Nikki was killing it she came back with uh, super freaky girl and then Pink Friday Two. She Sold so many you know units and then she told the Barbie thing the, the Barbie song and it was a full moment, but yeah So what happened was Megan? No, <clears throat> oh, actually to be fair it was clear that Nikki was um, not happy with Megan behind the scenes, because even, like, to this day, or, like, even when she came back with the new album and everything else, because she started, she started, like, uh, sending shots towards Megan in her songs. One of the most um, clear examples is in Rat Ruby Does Lee's, um, she, says she, she says she doesn't fuck with horses, uh, horses, and, uh, horses? I think it, oh yeah she doesn't fuck with horses since Christopher Reeve's, um, which is of course a shot at her because um, and she does, and then she gives a you know a moment of pause a moment of that in the song which is like of course to even highlight even more the shade but yeah also like it, it's about her specifically because like she's Megan the Stallion like she you know you know what I mean like easy easy, easy to do, to decipher in that sense it's uh it's about her but anyways. Nikki, and you know, also in know, other you know, songs, she kept on like sending shots, and you know it was clear that Nikki was on not on her side, and Megan took her sweet time, and she came back, of course, with um, the songs, and in his finally she um, started dragging a bit everyone, I, like you know, um, so yeah, like including Nicki Minaj. In the song she also mentions Megan's law, which is a law in the. US that is against um, child uh, let's just say child abusers I don't want to actually say the word but you know what I mean um, and why is this a big thing? Well allegedly Nicki Minaj's um, well not allegedly he has charges actually he had charges for uh, Nicki Minaj's husband has, uh, had charges for you know that let's just say that, for for that specific thing, so, yeah, so it's not l- looking good, but this was a known thing, it, it was always been like, um, so the, the, the odd thing about, that I think about anytime I, th- I think about Nikki, is that no one ever has any dirt specifically on her, like, about crazy things that she's done, but it's o- always mostly about her husband, now, with all due respect, if you do marry someone who's like that, then, I don't know, that's, problematic per se, but But it also in my opinion means doesn't mean that she committed the crime herself. You know what I mean? Like yes You're married to some crazy dude, but it doesn't mean that you're actually You know A shitty person yourself, so it's a bit of a gray area there as well. I think but anyways Megan Decided to fire back, but Nikki was not happy with her her family being dragged and Nikki went on a frenzy like a week ago um, on Twitter, saying the most crazy things ever. And she previewed another song where she literally said um, she, that Megan should get up. She called she called her big food, call her like asking her to like get on her good food. And you know what I mean? Like it, there were so many like um, very graphic shot, like you know, drags towards her accident and all that. Which in my opinion. You know, like... You can... Uh, I understand the sending shots and all that stuff. And she's like, if you go low, I go lower. But... Um, joking about... A serious... Um, a serious accident... Is quite... Crazy. I think, personally, I wouldn't have been m- too mad about it if she just did the song and I'd say it. But I think the problem was that she went on a f- huge frenzy and she literally made herself look like a fool you know what i mean uh like very childish very like you know moany and all that stuff like in my opinion if you want to throw shots just doing in a songs in a song like you're supposed to do and that's it and in my opinion even like apart from all the things that have been said online and all that stuff yes she's a queen of rap she should know that she should of course know her worth, but I don't think she necessarily should not respond to these people. I think that's the whole game about rap, in my opinion. So, the sending shots, it's, it's totally fine on songs, but I think what's worse is just engaging, like, a, a child um, on Twitter with all these, like, long tweets and, like, professing to, you know, drop the, the the receipts of, like, what dirt she has on her and all that stuff is just, well, I, I mean, I do want to know, to be fair. <laughs> I don't want the drama. But you know what I mean? It's just do she could have done so much better. Now she's looking like a petty um woman, you know what I mean? So not a good look on Nikki personally. But yeah, that was a whole debacle, people were sending shots back and forth. She now it was even worse is that her fans unprompted to be fair went to mom the uh, megan's mom's uh gravestone and started defiling it and all this stuff it's just like crazy shit it's just insane stuff that's going on right now so um it, like, yeah you know what i mean like <clears throat> like what what's the status of our culture man of our uh, pop culture you know like insane and this all happened in january like Yes, January was a slow month, but even then, first of like first month of the year, they already give us so much content. So I kind of love that. But apart from everything else, it's just, girls, y'all need to calm down and just, you know, how about eventually we just squash the beef? Like, this beef has been going on for so long, for years and years. And I think also it's a stupid thing on Nikki that she should realize that If you give so much media attention, I don't think the song itself, like, he just dropped the song, I don't think people would have cared about his as much. But I think the mere fact that she looked so pressed in tweets and all that stuff, like, she was in a frenzy and all that, gave Megan even more of a push. You know what I mean? So this is what I'm saying, like, the beef is, if anything, is helping Megan a lot. It's a strategy. I I mean, I'm sure there must be real beef behind it, but, yeah, um... Like, this is clearly also a business move. Like, it's, you cannot deny that. Like, literally. And it's benefiting Megan. So, yeah. But yeah, weird things were coming out. I saying, for example, he said, like, that um, Megan told her that she should have... When she was pregnant, that she should have, um, you know, like, drunk alcohol to kill her child, basically. Which is insane. But that and also, as she lied on her mom's name or something on, like, on... Megan light in her own mom's name or something. Some interesting like things. And apparently there's even more Nikki knows that she hasn't shared with us. And it's just there's a lot of stuff. A lot of um grey areas, I think. But I think from a stand like a purely like, you know, behavioral standpoint Nikki now is making it look like look like he's making it look like she's depressed and it's not a good look on her in that sense. Well Megan is uh, passing as the unbothered queen and all that stuff. So, I don't know. I think Nikki should have stuck with um, her song and that's it. Without necessarily engaging with all this thing. Because also she's helping her opposition now. So, you know what I mean? I personally don't care about the beef itself. Because to me it's just content. I love it. But I just think... Um, you know. It's just funny to watch. I'm seated. But... I just don't like seeing people act childish, that's that's the truth, that's just th- this is my only truth, you know what I mean? But, it is what it is, you know, I hope in a perfect world they can eventually squash the beef, because, damn, like, girl, that's insanity, but, who knows if they ever will, who knows? I mean, probably it will benefit Megan for a while, and Nikki will have to go in hiding for a bit, and to just, like, calm the waters and all that stuff, instead of, like, engaging even more with comments and all that stuff, but, yeah that's that's what's up that's what's up so yeah i hope you like this like drama session this roundup and yeah let's get into the next story which is um a bit of a more not serious but you know a more fun one i think um an interesting one like a less dramatic one (laughs) hopefully (laughs) yeah it's gonna be my um revisit of melodrama by lord stay tuned stay tuned Yeah, we are back. Yes, so I <clears throat> also had to take a little break because I was dying. Like, I had to get some other coffee because I was literally about to die. I die, die, die. But anyways, yeah, we're here. We're here, fi- fi- like finally, with um my favorite portion of the episode, which is revisiting melodrama. Uh, melodrama is. The sophomore studio album by uh, Lord. Lord, you might know her as the girl who sang um, "Royals." I will never be Royals. Yeah, definitely. That song was uh, super, super famous, and she um, and the album I think was also super famous. I guess when it came out, that first album. But yeah, but this album is—it's been almost seven years since Melodrama. This is the album we're talking about, the second one. I'm here to revisit. Uh, So, yeah. It's been almost seven years since Melodrama came out, and I am so excited to do this. Seven is one of my lucky numbers, actually, so I think that I have to do this review already because of that. But the other thing is that... um, well this week basically. I was uh, while I was working from home, I was listening to my special Lord playlist that I have where I put Lord songs and all the other songs from other artists that sound sound like it or like sound are influenced by it. And yeah, I just had a, a realization or a fathoming that I was like, oh my god, I probably like I think I love this song like this this album so much. Like it's just how it's just so crazy that I'm consistently Listening to this album, even after seven years, uh, after its release, you know? And I'm not, like, simply talking about uh, a couple of songs, but the entire album. Like, this rarely happens to me. There are just maybe a couple of albums I can count on my hands that I listen to time and time again. Melodrama is that special. Like, literally. It's, um, like, up there with, like, I don't know, 1989 by Taylor Swift, or... You know um ultra Violence by um another ray probably um there's just so much like good stuff in this album that is just incredible um just incredible um melodrama is just through these years i have come to realization that it's not only for its super avant-garde production i think it's a very experimental album that at the time it was also super experimental but um, and, of course, his soundscape and everything else. But also because um, it was so forthcoming, in a way. Like, it was... Um, it reverbs, like The reverbs of this album, like, you can still hear them in other artists' work today. Clearly inspired by melodrama. For example, I don't know. One of the biggest examples I can find is, for example, uh, Olivia Rodrigo. She's definitely a lord girly. Specifically, a melodrama girly. But... Yeah, like even bigger artists, like they're still like Terror Swift, for example, still in, like influenced by melodrama so much. And there's plenty of like smaller artists as well that like try to replicate the same sound, I guess, or vibe. And it's just like you know that that influential, you know. So yeah, I think this album specifically is truly Lord's legacy. Perhaps even more than pure Aaron, like her debut. It's a one of a kind um, type of album, in my opinion. The production of his album at the at time at the time like when two thousand seventeen uh, when he came out, it was it felt very odd and innovative, like and a, to a certain extent I still feel like it's um, it is years into the future compared to even today's music. So it's that that like avant-garde in my opinion. But I think after first listening to it, like with time, I really digested the songs and they keep on aging so well, for the most part. I think like. They don't feel dated at all most of the songs there so which is an incredible feat like if majority of your album is not doesn't feel dated it's just crazy like crazy good but oh uh, yeah with time i really um, you know appreciate it even more and more and more and more and you know it, it's such an influential album that like you know i can literally point out in some songs where i think some art or like other artists took uh, inspiration from but yeah um, so basically, what happened before uh, melodrama was pure pure heroin, as I said. Lord left us with her debut album with a very well executed vision of urban teenage life and unspoken realism about uh, yeah, basically, youth in the suburbia. Basically, right. So there was no specific talk about like you know, love about her own life or whatever specific. Like, it wasn't specific to her per se. It was a more like, social commentary, and a very, like, resonating type of album that, like, everyone else, like, everyone at the time loved for a reason, also, I replied to what was going on with the music around us, which was, um, basically, at the time, it was, you know, party songs, and just feeling good, and all that stuff, well, this was more like a rejection to that, and, like, a more of a and, like, embracing realism and what was actually going on in society. And, like, instead of trying to view life with pink glasses all the time. You know what I mean? Pink glasses. Um But, yeah. So, and, of course, the the debut album, Pure Heron was super successful. Partly because of the explosive success of Royals, its lead single. But also, you know, after that, she kept on having a great buzz around her. Also because of her age. She was super young when she released that. So... She was like, I think, was she like 17 or something, or 18, I don't know, like she was so young. Um, but yeah, expectations for this album were super high and i think no one could predict this kind of a, like direction in the, in a way like after pure harin lord literally created a melodrama out of a very painful breakup it was a, it, it it is a uh breakup album basically um it's a lot like a full timeline of a love story in my opinion like it's so well thought out and even the tracklist the way it's ordered is just so smart but yeah she came she went from this like you know realism or suburbia and all that stuff to A very personal personal like it's the first time we hear lord being personal on this album ever like in general she's never done anything like this but yeah and of course the um you know she in in like the 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 name of the album itself melodrama is a way of like depicting what um a sort of like romanticized version of like this uh violent love and um you know Prone to break up, kind of love. You know what I mean. It's just a melodramatic story, like a a, a a typical melodramatic story about two lovers who fall in love deeply, and then they are bound to break up in a way. You know what I mean. Very very cool. Um, she yeah. So as I said, like she depicts a very glamorized and at times violent and intense and extremely passionate and litigious love affair. She truly gives us um, a very detailed overview of the feelings she went through, and then she, there there are some moments in the album where she goes back into her pure heroin like bag in terms of creating a general generalized um mood you know what i mean um like a generalized i guess like analysis of society and all that stuff about teenage love in this sense but not teenage love because she wasn't a teenager anymore but you know what i mean like young love let's just say that yeah um so yeah all of this communicated through an incredible writing, an impeccable delivery, and a lot of quirky vocal flourishes, and most of all, a vibe check provided by the one and only Jack Antonoff. Like he produced, main producer on the album, he did a thing. But before we get into the tracks, I want to spend a couple of seconds, just a couple, to appraise the cover art. The cover uh, is a painting of Lord herself, made by her friend, Sam mcKinnis McInnes, McInnes, an abstract painter, um, the main colors of the album are blues and purples. Please take a look at it; it's just beautiful. It's probably one of the best covers I've ever seen. It's just gorgeous. And fun fact: she, well, the color scheme for the uh, for the cover art was chosen by Lord herself because, basically, Lord has this condition called synesthesia, uh, which is a condition that makes you uh, makes your senses overlap. So, for example, some sounds make uh, make you see certain colors. For example. Uh, which is what happened to Lord. So when she was re-listening to the full album when it was done, these are the colors that she kept on seeing because of her synesthesia while she was listening to her tracks. So yeah, it's literally like a visual representation of the album itself. Incredible stuff. So yeah. The color palette there isn't just beautiful. Um but yeah, that's just the two seconds that I want to spend on because I think one is one of the coolest things like I've ever heard of. So yeah. Let's get a bit more into the tracks now. So, we start off with Greenlight. Greenlight is the perfect opener, in my opinion, and the best place to start for the entire album. It was also the first single off of the album, and I completely understand why, because the song is um, just like a great mood setter for the entire, for the rest of the album. Both as an opener and as a first single, I think they works so well. Like, it gives a clear message about what the album is going to be about, it gets you pumped, and as well, like, is like you, you got ravenous about what what's to come next, you know? It's also one of the songs that doesn't feel dated at all. I think I could still be listening to this in 10 years and say, yup, it's a banger. So, yeah. Lord in the song is desperate for a green light, a sign, some new lover or just something to make her move on from her previous relationship. So y- immediately you, you know that it's like she's gone through a breakup and she's... Um, still in one foot into the the ex relationship you know what i mean so she's stuck she wants to let you uh, she, she wants to let go of this ex, uh, but she can't do it quite yet basically she says one of the lyrics says, oh honey i'll come get my things but i can't let go i'm waiting for that green light i want it you know it is an anthem for change and for turning basically a new leaf but not being able to quite move on and so feeling it's like feeling stuck in the middle basically yeah the drums, the piano, just, they go absolutely nuts. It's like, this, like, this very uh, traveling sound, like, this um, piano throughout the entire song is just, like, it goes... Dun, 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 it's just so good. Um, yeah, like, it gives also, I think also the way it's, like, produced in a way, it gives that sense of urgency, like, that it's perfectly, like, reflected in the lyrics as well. So it's, like, something that... Like you feel the earnest like to just try to move away from a relationship, like being desperate for a sign to that you can just finally move on, but you, you cannot do that quite yet. Even though her delivery is just like so, almost enraged at times. So she's like, um, she's waiting for the green light, man. She wants to go, but she can't quite yet. You know, favorite lyric is probably the opening line. Like, Lord has some of the best opening lines ever. Like, she's an opening line girl. But yeah, the, in this song, it's the the line is, "I do my makeup in someone else's car." Somebody else's car, um, we order different drinks at the same bar. Like, this is immediately at uh, the opening, like, it, it's just uh, the way it opens the song, and it's just genius. It tells you in two seconds what is going on. And to me, that's like lyrical masterfulness. You know what I mean? Like, she's with someone else, but still thinking about her ex, still goes to the same places, but not with him. The drinks line is just too real. Like, you go to the same bar, they used to go together, but with like, taking different drinks, which means that you're there with probably different people. You know what I mean? So, it's just that good. I'm so passionate about this song. It's just so good. Um But, yeah. Uh, so, this opens up the album. But what she does next is a bit of, like, a reverse, right? So, she gives you, like, a mood check of what she's going through while, when, while she was writing the, the album with Green Light, And then she goes back to the beginning. So, when they first fell in love, right? So, we have the second song, which is Sober. This song is about getting wild with your first encounter with a lover you know like you go, you're a party like you're both intoxicated a bit and you start hitting it off super well but in the back of her head like in the back of her mind oh my god I literally said what ages that in the back of her head <laughs> but yeah in the back of her mind she's thinking like she has this like daunting feeling that um like it, it's literally a line in the song as well like She's thinking about what would happen in the song when, like, when, oh, wait, sorry, <laughs> at the end of the night when they're both sober. You know what I mean? Like, it's so real. Thank you for that. Very rarely see these types of stories. Like, she's having a blast, but at the same time, she's overthinking and saying, like, oh, is this only because we're both intoxicated or does this person actually like me? Like, what will we do when we're sober? That's the, the line that keeps on, like, repeating itself throughout the entire song. Like, she keeps on saying it, and then there's, like, this haunting little line. But what will we do when we're sober? It's just, mwah. <laughs> Chef's kiss. And yeah, the, the song is very brassy. There's a lot of brass in here, a lot of trumpets. It gives the song a sense of like grand grandioseness a, a bit like it's just like a celebration of the of a crazy meetup, basically, right? Like you know, some sort of like hymn to the two lovers, basically, right? I love the line, but what yeah, what will we do when we're sober? That's my favorite one of my favorite lines, is just creeping through the song, It's just haunting her, basically. Um but yeah, so you can sort of understand that she's trying to mask her doubts about um, the person with alcohol, basically, right? But yeah, it's a great banger. Um, I love the pre chorus as well. Actually, probably the. Actually, never mind. My, the pre chorus is my favorite line. Uh, she says, But my hips have missed your hips, so let's get to know the kicks. Will you sway with me? Will, will you sway with me? Go astray with me. That's so toxic. I love it. Like, it's just genius writing. My hips have missed your hips. Let's get to know the kicks. Will you sway th- with me? Will you go astray with me? You know what I mean? Like, she knows that... It's a fatal attraction, right? It's just crazy. I love that. Yeah, so... Yeah, Tarak 2. Crazy, good, uh, good good, song. Love it. <clears throat> Next is Homemade Dynamite. And it's... Um, maybe one of the more positive tracks on the album. Like, she's so quirky with the delivery here as well. Um... Yes, like she goes into, um, like, for example, is that Onomatopoeia? I think so. Yeah, like she, when she said, like like, um, dynamite in the song, she says, the, the, the dynamite, which the D, the repetition of the D sounds like a, a clo- like a ticking clock before a bomb goes off, right? So it's just so clever. The delivery is just so nice. It's just, that's why, like, that's a secret sauce that Lord uses. Sometimes it has these, like, this quirky, like, Takes vocally or whatever it is, like, s- flourishes and all that stuff, it's just so funny, um, but yeah, this pro, the, the, this uh, song is probably about the beginning of the relationship as well, they're, like, so still we're progressing, right, like, they just met and all that stuff, like, now, now, uh, homemade dynamite, like, they started to go out and they're getting to know each other, showing each other's best sides and telling each other's best lies, as she says, you know, the production is once again, very cool, um, very, like, synthy um, the chorus just explodes. It's just so 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 good, and the the, the bridge, uh, she goes like, now you know it's really gonna blow. And then she goes like, she, she says like, like, and it's just so it's such a quirky move, and I love it. The vocals are just layered, also in the chorus, so perfectly. Like there's so many harmonies. I just love. It's just magic, you know. So incredible work. Kudos uh, to Lord. Oh, now we get to probably one, I don't know if it's my favorite, absolute favorite, but it's definitely up there, like it's maybe top three, maybe or even top one, like it has to be, I don't know. It's called The Louvre, <clears throat> and now it's like, I, and it's been one of my favorite tracks since um, the beginning. So, um, The Louvre <clears throat> is a more of a chill track, I guess, compared to the other three songs we had. It's more emotional, I would say, guitar heavy, but also so different from everything you've had, like had so far. The lover is about Lord falling more and more with the person. So like here we're like literally getting into, like deep into our feelings with uh, with this person. Um, probably the same person she broke up with, in my opinion. But yeah, um, this encapsulates the feelings of falling deeper into your love story, and it's also it has like some of the best lyrics in the whole album. Album in my, in my opinion, like I can note. I like I could not choose a single one. Like the opening line, for example, um "Will summer slipped us underneath our tongue? Our days and nights are perfumed with obsession. All for my wardrobe is on your bedroom floor. Use our eyes, throw our hands overboard." Like, bitch, no, Shakespeare could never do this shit. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? Um So good. Or even in the second verse. Our thing progresses. I call on you come through. Blow all my friendship to to sit in hell with you. But we're the greatest. They'll hang us in the Louvre. <laughs> oh my god. Like, girl. She was like on... She must have been high when she wrote this shit. Because where did she get the inspiration from? Like, crazy behavior. I can't. Like, whenever I listen to this song, I'm swaying and hovering. Basically, I'm like literally in a different dimension. The chorus is so unusual but gorgeous. She doesn't actually sing much in the, in the chorus. Like, she goes like broadcast the boom 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 and make an old dance to it and then it goes into like this instrumental with her vocal and she keeps on repeating broadcast the boom 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 and make it all uh, dance to it um and yeah the production shifts for the from the chorus with this streaming confusing synth sound is just incredible and you know like broadcast the boom 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 it means like broadcaster like heartbeat um racing because of this person right and then you know means, like, she's putting on a song, and she wants to, like, communicate that she's, oh, it's just beautiful, that she's, like, in love, oh, and I cannot finish this one without also talking about the outro, because this is a Jack of outro, baby, like, violin, guitar, gorgeous fade, um, just everything, you know what I mean, sort of, like, what you hear in August by Chagas Swift for example, at the end, like, um, great, like, fade out album, uh, fade out, like, outro, um, Yeah, she ate it down. Girl, this track is just incredible. Please go listen to it. She saved my year in 2017 with this song. And yeah, I'm happy to see that. Even after seven years, I still appreciate it so much. And now girlies are finally getting the end of this song. Like, they're finally giving it justice. People are going to the Louvre, the the actual museum, and doing, like, little TikToks there with the song. It's just so funny to see, honestly. Justice for the Louvre. Next. Next, we have Liability, And this is the... Switching point in the album. This is where they uh, have the first proper fight, probably the breakup. Honestly, it, 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 actually, no, actually, it is the breakup, the breakup point, basically. So, if you can, if you cannot tell from the actual name of the song, it's a very sad one. Lord finally gets to the breaking point of the relationship. Um, she's crying in a taxi, going home, hurt for good, basically. She gets blamed for the breakup, she's told that she's poisoned, that she's a liability, a little too much for everyone to deal with, and so she retreats into herself, goes home to the only girl she's ever loved, as she says, and can care about herself, which is herself, right? Um, It is literally so sad, like I cried the first time I listened to this song, I cannot lie, like it's a piano ballad, very stripped back, just gorgeous, very different from everything else, completely like stripped back, just piano. Lyrics are lyricing. Like it's just a song about being used for entertainment and being quickly discarded once they become bored of you. Like um you know, she I think she also said like she's um uh, the truth is like she's a toy that people enjoy um until they like you don't work anymore. You know what I mean? It's just crazy good. It, and it feels so hard, like like it's just so relatable. I completely empathize with her. I feel the same way sometimes and it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. Um, so, yeah, if you want to feel in a very sad mood, go cool, with to "Liability." Uh, Euphoria also used the song in to open the special episode of uh, Jewels, actually. And I think the song, just, from then on, started getting, like, even more streams, and just, she's one of the most streamed songs ever. So, very grateful for that. Divulging the word of God, period. But, yeah, so, this is the breaking point, right? She breaks up with this guy. She's uh, blamed for the... for making things go to shit, that she's poisoned and all that stuff. So, we have we transition into the next song, which is, um... Hard Feelings slash Loveless. <clears throat> I have to say, this is also one is one of my top favorites ever, of hers, like, probably, yeah, as I said, like, my top three or something. It's um, a six-minute track, but it's, like, split in two songs. So it's Hard Feelings slash Loveless, because it's two songs in one, basically. So, halfway through, they switch between songs, which is great. Honestly, incredible, like, genius move. It's just so interesting and this is where we get into the uh, sorry into the pure heron bag she has a more general approach to heartbreak when she gets loveless but first she starts off with hard feelings um where she ponders about the breakup right hard feelings is a portion that is like where she realizes that it's time to break up with your lover it's just like you know it's time to like have a clean break um It has a bit of that Louvre sauce in it, like, in the sense that she's very emotional, but also, like, you know, swaying and all that stuff, just very moving. But once again, she compares her love affair with an endless summer. Like, um, she says, like, it's time to let go of this, like, endless summer afternoon. That's how you know it's, like, about the same person. Like, she constantly compares about, like, this arrangement to, like, to summer. It's just so romantic, honestly, like, well, romantic, melodramatic, actually, yeah. And then yeah, she describes perfectly the hardships of coming to terms with it because it's quite difficult to accept that these are the hard feelings of love. Accepting that sometimes things cannot work out and you have to let go for your own mental health. You know what I mean? For your whole sanity. Um, it's just oh, the bridge in this song as well in the hard feelings portion. It's just so fucking futuristic and crazy. Like nothing I've ever heard like before, and still to this day is so ahead of its time I think is just incredible. Um wild shit for real. The outro of our feelings as well is um the best thing ever. Um like she is just going into Loveless but she has this entire portion where she goes into the <clears throat> um basically you can tell she's like like actually decided to let go of of him of, of this guy. Um let me actually read it out for you, because it's poetic geniusness, you know, like, you have to, um, you have to, like, you have to see what's, what's going on, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh my god, where is it at? <sighs> yeah, see, she goes into the outro saying, like, three years, loved you every single day, made me weak, it was real for me, yeah, real for me. Now I'll fake it every single day till I don't need fantasy, till I feel you leave. But I still remember everything, how we drift buying groceries, how you dance for me. I'll start it and go of little things till I'm so far away from you. So, oof, that what Like, that's, ooh, 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 so real, so, like, so good. And yeah, then she goes to part two, which is Loveless, in the same song. She switches around, and she has a bit of a more, like, um, like, drum-based song, like, um, very cool stuff, Loveless is the more general part, where she abstracts, like, she, after she ponders so much on the breakup, she can, like, have a proper, more general, like, more general, um, view of what's going on, like, she has, like, yeah, she, she she gives us, basically, a social commentary on, like, young people falling in love, basically, so she goes into, um, Loveless saying that, um, our generation is just, you know, full of loveless people. Like, we're the loveless generation. She warns every lover that our generation is so prone to breaking up that we become disillusioned with the idea of love itself, just like herself after the breakup. So she realizes that basically, it's just um, the way our generation works. It's just, we become loveless because we're so on and off with everyone. It's just such a good way of putting it. But she also is very sarcastic, which I love in this um the portion, so good. Very masterful, such a clever idea. The combination of the two songs works so well. It's just a great-ass song. And I love that it's six minutes, because it doesn't feel like it, but it's just beautiful. Then, after this, after the, you know, clean break, like the acceptance of the breakup, basically, um, this is where we, we go into Sober 2, Melodrama, the first time we acknowledge the title of the album. And it's so character-heavy. Like, this is, like, full of violence, but halfway through it, it switches to a trap beat. It's like the romanticized version of the whole relationship. Violent, fatal, a couple that achieves a legendary status, a truly melodramatic song, like all the gunfights and the limelights and the fucking melodrama, that's what she says. Um, it's so good. Oh, it, I it, like it's like the legacy of the relationship, right? But she has like a little bit of like a roundup, like a summary of like their melodramatic relationship, right? It really gives you a feeling, like, like a feeling of iconicness, like you know, like one of those like iconic but toxic couples, basically. I don't know, powerful, very powerful. Um, but yeah, very very cool track. I think it's a good break from the two like you know, emotional songs as well. So <clears throat> really enjoyed that. Then we go into another sad song, which is "Writer uh, in the Dark." It's a very, I think it's the most meta song in the album. <clears throat> it's another piano ballad, a very stripped out, a stripped back. But not necessarily a sad one. Well, it is... I think it is sad. Well, it is sad. But it's not as sad as uh, Liability. Like, it's more of a very meta track. It's a sort of, like, sad but also sometimes ironic. Very funny. Like, she mocks her ex by saying that... um, bet you rude a day you kiss the writer in the dark as in herself the writer is herself because she's going to write songs about him and it's going to be locked forever in her heart through her songs like she, he's gonna always be reminded about this relationship when he hears songs about her like this well when he hears songs that she made um yeah so i truly really feel like this was like in the melodrama drama timeline when she decided that she wanted to do the album because it's so mad. she's like she realized actually you know what i'm gonna lock you forever in my heart and like, i'm gonna like you know, let my feelings out and write this album about our crazy-ass relationship. You know what I mean? And then she gets to um, the chorus where she goes fully insane. Like, she starts saying, like, I am my mother's child. I'll love you till the- my breathing stops. I'll love you till you, can- you call the cops on me and so on. Like, you can tell now it's been some time since they separated and she's still... Um, he finds a new girl. She dedicates to her art and she also gets remorseful at times. Still thinking about him. Like, normal stuff. You know, we all go through that. We all go through that. But there is a change. Uh, There is a change because she is... Like, there has been a change in our feelings and all that. And she knows that she's going to do this album just to, like, set... You know, to close a chapter. You know what I mean? That's my belief. That she made the song just to tell us that she decided to... Put all of her feelings into this album to close this chapter of her life. You know what I mean? So, very cool. Well, she sings in a chorus, she sounds so... It almost sounds like she's about to cry or something. It's just insane. Like it's a cry for help, and I love that um, oh Yeah you oh yeah, here's also like another favorite lyric comes in um, she says I ride, I uh, ride the subway read the signs. I let the season change my mind I love it here since I stopped needing you gorgeous. That's how you know, she's you know move Well, She's she's closed it. You know what I mean? She's closed the chapter Man, people are doing works. But yeah, then she gets back to the chorus and reinforces it again once again in my opinion that thanks to her art she's um able to cope and move on. And it the track ends again with another beautiful Jack of outro. So gorgeous. Track number nine, we're almost at the end of the album. Um just last three songs basically. Um the next one is another one of my absolute faves. It's the one and only Super Supercut is the mother to all mothers. This is such a clever way to explain what broken-up broken, broken up couples often do. After a while, basically, she's gone. Like, she's gone. Like she's, you know, like, taking space away from, from all that. Um, she is um, fighting her urges to reach out again, basically. She's almost there. She's reminded to... She goes into this little thought experiment where she tries to reach out for him uh, but then realizes that everything that she's like you know she's just trying to remember the relationship and she only remembers the good things um the positive memories and all that but when she's about to reach him in this, in this like uh thought process she realizes it is a super cut. it's just something that a card that she made into her head uh, but she didn't you know actually well, she she, did, she didn't actually forget the bad parts, but she's tricking herself into believing that only the good parts are the ones that matter. So, you know what I mean? She plays fake scenarios where things are different or where she doesn't fuck it up, and she says, in, in my head, everything I do everything right. But yeah, when she starts to reach for him, she realizes it's just like, you know, a super content. And, and, and it's a version of what she went, actually went through. So, yeah. The song has this, like, traveling sound as well, like, very similar to, like, Green Light and all that. So it's a very, like, cohesive track as well and just incredible synths, uh, just repeated uh, drum pattern, just, also the influence of this song is incredible, to the point that where many people recognize a lot of similarities between Melodrama and Midnight by Taylor Swift, because they're produced by the same person, to be fair, Jack Antonoff, but they have this, like, very similar vibe, and also some of the new tracks on, well, the old tracks on the 1999 Taylor's version, there's a lot of that, and I think also there's a lot of, um, that in some of Oliver Drugo's songs, there's a lot of that, like, it's just, um, you can tell that this song could have been done by that, uh, by either of them. Actually, Supercut was interpolated in Mastermind, if I believe correctly. They both worked with Jack, so it makes sense, but, yeah. Yeah, and then there's also another fade-out at the end. It's just beautiful, crazy, good Jack of outros, um... And it ba- it blends with the next track. So it goes straight into the next one, which is liability reprise. So the title itself, you know what's what's up. She is going back to the liability song, but she's flipping it around. This is where she realizes actually never mind. That was not the issue here. Like I I need to stop blaming myself and letting someone else blame me for everything. Like I we played both a part in this. You're not what you thought you were. Like you know what I mean? This is why she keeps on saying to herself. Like you you are not what you thought you were you're not a liability, you are, um, an amazing person, and, you know, she's breaking free finally from the inhibitions of this, um, ex-relationship, and she's finally able to look at the past with a more of a, of a critical eye, you know what I mean? She's free, I guess, from the haunting relationship for good, you know what I mean? That's the best part, it's a proper break-free moment from the relationship, she find this is the point where she realizes that she's gone, like, you know, she's over it, you know? Quite gorgeous, very short track, which should it was a bit longer but it's so good and then we end we end with perfect places which is completely unrelated i guess in a way to the rest of the relationship like she is like she's looking for perfect places after like cleaning her hands of this uh relationship she's looking for the next thing you know she's she's looking for perfect places to go to um you know um you know Go to escape, basically. You know what I mean. Go to another place, to perfect place that she realizes quickly that <clears throat> she could never find because there are no such thing as perfect places. She has to realize that life is flawed in a way, and that you know, it's all it's all part of the human experience. You know. So I think also this song is a bit more also as well generalized, <clears throat> pure like a pure heroin bag that she goes into sometimes. Um... So yeah, it's about um, young people wanting to go to, like, you know, getting out of their mundane life and trying to distract themselves from the reality and wishing to go to, like, perfect places and getting drunk and, you know, all that stuff. Like, trying to destruct, distract themselves from their reality, which is a depressing one, basically. But yeah, <laughs> um, a generation that only, always looks for the next big thing, to feel at peace, never satisfied, always raging, but... Yeah, you know what I mean. But that's the beauty of it. The way it ends is just like, she says, like, "What the fuck are perfect places anyway?" You know what I mean? Like, there's no such thing as a perfect place, and it's just the way it ends. Like, she realizes that you know what? Maybe yes, she'll never find like a perfect place, or she'll never feel like fully at peace. But that's okay. It's okay to feel this way. Like, it's it's normal. You know what I mean? You you have to be okay with feeling like this, basically. But yeah, this was a crazy ride. Like, I love this album so much. We're listening to it so many times. Like, when I was listening to the album so many times to make notes, it was just oh, such a good breath of fresh air once and, like, once again. It's just so beautiful. Like, it's one of those albums that I return to constantly. And I hope I manage to communicate my enthusiasm with you guys. And please do listen to it if you haven't. Because I think it's one of the, like, it's critically acclaimed. It's a beautiful album. But I think also so, so many people don't, like, it's not a massive success as Pure Heron was. It's not like a... You know, commercial juggernaut. Any sh- well, it may- and it was never devised to be that because it's like a very personal, personal album that was very like experimental, influential. It's just crazy. It's a good, 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 good like cult classic. So yeah. Anyways, hope y'all have fun for this week. Stay strong, y'all got this. Uh, it's February now, so we can move on. And yeah, if you are celebrating Valentine's Day soon, slay, if not, you slay even more, cause, ew, relationships suck, just saying, bye, bye,